0: Well, tonight we're going to pick right up where we left off. We've been talking about sin on Wednesday nights. And uh, tonight, just in the few minutes that we have, I want to ask this question. Are some sins worse than others? Um, Well, uh, how many of you, let let me just do an exercise here. How many of you would say some sins are worse than others? Well, see, you can't qualify it. How many of you, just just blanket, how many of you would say some sins are worse than others? Okay. All right. How many of you would say no, all sins are the same? Okay. You're both right. All right. I want to show you how tonight. The answer is yes and no. There are some sins that are worse than others, and in the same vein, all sins are the same. You say, well, what do you mean? They can't both be right. Well, the answer is no, that There are no sins that are worse than others with respect to our standing before God. Um, One sin makes us guilty of all sin. So it doesn't matter what it is. It could be telling a lie or, um, you know, us finding bodies buried in your backyard. You know, whatever it is. Um, It's all the same. It, it, um, It finds us or causes us to be guilty before God. Any sin, no matter how small it may seem, makes us legally guilty before God and deserving of eternal punishment. It's what Adam and Eve found out in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, um, where really before Eve was there, here's God in a conversation with Adam. He says, And the the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, now the skeptic reads that. The non-Christian reads that and says, how in the world is that just? I mean, eating, eating a piece of fruit, and that's, that's deserving of eternal damnation? That's, that's deserving of death? Separation from God forever. Eating from the wrong tree. Well, yes. Yes. Because we don't measure it based on our standards. It's measured based on God's standard of holiness. And that was the punishment or the penalty that God had shared with Adam. Uh, Turn, if you will, over to James chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. James 2, verses 10 and 11, just, just in case you think, well, that's simply an Old Testament principle. In James 2, 10 and 11, it says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit uh, adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So what he's saying is, whether you're guilty of breaking all of it or, or just one, one part of it, you're, you're guilty and you're deserving of death. Therefore, in terms of legal guilt and standing before God outside of Christ, there are, there's, there are no sins that are any worse or any better than, than any of the others. Whatever you do, you're guilty before God. But then the other part is, and this is what I want to spend the bulk of our time on, is that there are sins that are worse than some others in relationship to the consequences that they bring on us, the consequences that they bring on other people, and in how they impact our relationship with God. And so there are sins that impact us differently. I want to show you these. Um. John chapter nineteen, verses ten through eleven. Let's go there. John nineteen, ten through eleven. Well, I can't get there. John nineteen, ten through eleven. This is This is actually where I was yesterday in the news club. This is the story of Jesus before Pilate. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. What in the world is he talking about? He's talking to Pilate. Jesus is. And he says, The one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Who is the one who delivered him to him? Who? Judas. Judas is the one who had delivered him in the garden. Judas is the one who came and and kissed him and revealed this is the one. This is the one who you seek. Judas was the one who sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So why is... Judas's sin greater than Pilate's sin. Okay, you wouldn't have if Judas hadn't. Let's go a little deeper. I'm sorry. Right. Okay. You're 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 on the right vein. Go a little deeper. Okay, he had premed it was he had thought about it a long time. Let me tell you what I think he means here. I think it was from the heart. How long had Judas been with Jesus? 3 years. Think about all that Judas had seen and heard and done. All that he had witnessed, he had had been privy to the gospel in flesh, in front of him, almost 24 hours a day for three years. How long had Pilate been with Jesus? He didn't know who he was. They had just brought him in. And so when Jesus says, the one who delivered me over to you has the greater sin, what he's referring to is the amount of revelation that Judas had received. Pilate tried to come out and wash his hands and say, I'm innocent of this man's blood. His, his blood be on you. But what he did was still sin because he came out and he said, I find no fault in this man. Why should this man die? So he pronounced judgment on an innocent man. So he did sin. But Judas had the greater sin in that he knew who Jesus was. He had seen it all, heard it all, but rejected it all. Um, in terms of consequences to us, uh, others, and our relationship with God, some sins are worse than others. Uh, they're, more, they're more harmful in their consequences to our lives. They're more harmful uh, in the consequences to the lives of others. Some sins rouse God's anger more than others. And that's what he's talking about here. In the sin of Judas, Judas had every reason to not deliver Jesus. But this roused the anger of God more than the sin of Pilate. It became more bothersome to him. Some sins disrupt our fellowship with God more than others. Turn, if you will, back to Ezekiel chapter 8. Ezekiel 8. I want to look at this chapter quickly. We run through it here. We have Ezekiel transported in a vision to see what God was was going to do that literally in the vision, God lifts Ezekiel by the hair of the head, transports him to the temple. (laughs) Kind of a disturbing picture, but he sits him down and look at what he says in verses five and six. Then he said to me, son of man, lift up your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted up my eyes toward the north. And behold, north of the altar gate in the entrance was the image of jealousy. And he said to me, son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me far from my sanctuary. But you will see greater abominations. Greater abominations he's promised to see. He's brought his back is is toward the altar. He looks out and he sees the nation of Israel and all of the sin that they are committing. And God says, but you're going to see greater sins than these. Keep going. Look at verse 7. And he brought me to the entrance of the court. And when I looked, behold, there was a hole in the wall. Then he said to me, Son of man, dig in the wall. So I dug in the wall and behold, there was an entrance. And he said to me, go in and see the vile abominations that they are committing here. So I went in and saw, and there engraved on the wall all all around was every form of creeping things and loathsome beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel. Before them stood seventy men of the elders of the house of Israel and Jezaniah, the son of Shaphan, standing among them. Each had his censer in his hand and the smoke of the cloud of incense went up. Then he said to me, son of man... Have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark, each in his room of pictures? For they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. He said also to me, you will see greater abominations than they commit. We're not told in the first section really what the sins are. They're just sort of these vague sins of the nation. And then he takes him to these greater sins. And he takes him to the secret sins of the elders of the nation. These things that they're saying, nobody sees these things. We're getting away with it. It's the elders of, of Israel. Then keep going. Look at uh, verses uh, beginning in 14, 14 and 15. Then he brought to me, brought me to the entrance of the north gate, the house of the Lord. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Then he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? You will see greater abominations than these. This Tammuz, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but it was an ancient Mesopotamian deity, a a god. It was the god of agriculture in that culture. Uh, Mesopotamia is current-day Iraq. And uh, it was was this, this god of agriculture. And these women in this picture that are weeping here, it was common practice in that particular cult uh, for women to, um, to practice what they called sacred marriage, I think is what it was called. Um, sacred marriage was prostitution. They prostituted themselves so that they would have a good crop. And here God says to Ezekiel, but you'll see even greater sins than these, even greater abominations. Let's finish out the chapter. Verse 16, And he brought me into the inner court of the house of the Lord. And behold, at the entrance of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar were about twenty-five men with their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, worshipping the sun toward the east. Then he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? Is it too light a thing for the house of Judah to commit the abominations that they commit here? that they should fill the land with violence and provoke me still further to anger. Behold, they put the branch to their nose. We don't know what that means. It's apparently a phrase that that talks about bringing the indignation of God. Um, They put the branch to their nose. Therefore, I will act in my wrath. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. So here's the picture, these greater sins, this level of sins. First he starts with just this sort of vague grouping of the sins of the nation. And then he goes and he takes him and he says, look inside and look at the elders of the nation and these secret sins that they are doing. And then he takes him to the temple and, and there are these women who are prostituting themselves in the nation of Israel for another god. And then he takes him even further, and he takes him into the priests. These twenty-five men between the porch—what does it say? Between the the, the porch and um, and the altar—it was an area specifically reserved for priests. And so we see him going from sin to greater sin, all the while. We see these levels. This this. Um, this worsening of sin—we see this in Scripture. I want you to see that. Then you, you say, "Well, maybe that's just an Old Testament thing, and that's the God of the Old Testament, and He's He's an angry God anyway." Well, is there are there are there worse sins today? I mean, I'm not don't think we're gonna find prostitutes, you know, as an act of worship here. Well, yes, in Matthew twenty-three, verse twenty-three and twenty-four. Matthew 23, verse 23, he goes from the temple in Ezekiel and looking at the nation of Israel and the priests, and he jumps forward in Jesus' day in the New Testament, and he begins to speak to the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. There's that idea, again, of greater abominations. You do all these little things, but you're neglecting the weightier matters of law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. (laughs) It's a famous phrase. I don't know that we really ever have stopped to think about what it means. What they would do is, is um, there was a couple different verses in Leviticus that talked about that insects, flying insects, specifically flying insects with four feet and swarming insects, they were not to be eaten. It was unclean. It was against the law to eat those. And so the Pharisees would go so far to avoid breaking that law that when it came to their wine that they would, they would strain that Even if they didn't see a gnat, they would strain it so that in case there was even the smallest little gnat that had worked its way into their wine, that they would strain it out so they wouldn't be guilty of breaking that law. And then he goes on, though, and he says, you strain out the gnats, but you swallow the camels. What he's saying to them is the camel was the largest land animal in the day in Palestine. And it was an unclean animal itself. And what they were doing was, they were doing things like tithing, even down to the, the mint and the deal and the cumin, which were the smallest of the garden plants. I mean, they were giving 10%, even of those little things that they would harvest, making sure they obeyed every letter of the law there. But they were neglecting the weightier matters of the faith, mercy and justice and faithfulness. They were swallowing a camel but paying attention to the gnats. And it points out that there are, there was then and there is today sins that provoke God's anger more than others. It doesn't mean that in our standing that we're any more or less guilty. It just means that in the consequences that we suffer from the anger of God and also in the consequences that are that are put on people around us and on ourselves some things are worse than others um so so what do we what do we do from this if if there are sins that are weightier or levels of sin then what do we do well, let me just give you some general principles here um well, I'm having to skip over a lot. Well, let me just back up. I'll just take my time. We'll come back to it if we need to next week. Generally, greater sins are these. One, uh, ones that bring more dishonor to God. If a sin, Some sins bring more dishonor to God uh, than others. Some bring, bring reproach upon the name of God. There are some things that, that the world watches and, and looks and sees. And they, they say, that's, that's no way for a follower of Christ to behave. And the world knows that. And it brings dishonor and shame upon his name. That's why Matthew five sixteen 16 tells the, the opposite of that. Let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Well, the opposite is true. That sometimes we who are supposed to be of the light we veil the light in sins that make things so dark that the world looks on and says, I don't know that I believe their God. I don't know that I would want to follow their God. And it brings reproach. And, and so we have to look at there are some sins that bring more dishonor to God's name than, than others do. Doesn't mean they're not sins, the others, but they uh, they bring more dishonor. Let me give you a couple more. Generally, greater sins are number two ones that cause more harm to ourselves, others, or the church. You know, it, it's it's one thing if I cut in front of you at the grocery store. You know. It's another thing if I burn your house down. There, there are some things that will cause more damage to you. There are some sins that will cause more damage to myself. And there are some sins that will cause more damage to, to, to the church. And those are the greater sins. Um, number three, generally greater sins are ones that are committed willfully as compared to accidentally or unintentionally. There are some sins that you don't mean to commit. You find out later, oh, I didn't realize I had done that. But then the greater sins are those that you would commit intentionally or willfully. Um, Let me just finish these out. Number four, generally greater sins are ones that are committed repeatedly. It's, It's one thing if you slip back into a sin you've you've been doing well, You've, you've been walking in a pattern of holiness and you slip back but you get up and you repent you turn away from that and you get right back on the road to walking with the Lord totally different thing if you claim to be a follower of Christ but you're over here and you're just repeatedly doing this sin that's a worse sin fifth, the last one is this Generally, greater sins are ones that are committed knowingly with a calloused heart. These are the sins that repeatedly you've heard, like Judas, you've heard revelation, but you've hardened your heart to it. You've said no, repeatedly. And so, while these don't make us any more or less guilty before God, because all of us outside of Christ are guilty before God... In our relationship with God and in our relationship with others, and the consequences, there are sins that are greater than others. Does that make sense? Well, I feel like I ran through that. So if you've got questions, um, come see me. Um, I hate running through things like that, but uh, I'd be glad to answer anything that I can. Let's, uh, let's pray together and uh, then we'll go. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would take what we've looked at tonight and, God, that you would bring it home. God, that maybe for some that it would send them on a journey to investigate this. God, for some this may be new. For others, this may be very easily understood. Really, all we're saying is that sin impacts us in different ways, that certain sins impact our relationship with you differently. Impact us with consequences differently. So God, I pray that you'd help us to get this and know this. And Lord, I pray then that the, that we would use that to, to the good of your church, your name, and our personal holiness and our walk with you. Lord, I love you. I pray that you would go with us now as we leave And God, I pray that we would live lives of worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen.